Hello, my name is Doug Wyatt, a PhD scientist, a geologist and geophysicist, published with patents and a long history of managing major science and engineering research programs. I am a Christian. Many of my friends and acquaintances in science, technology, engineering, and many others I have chatted with on various occasions have discussed their thoughts on Christ and Christianity, a creator God, the Bible and human history, and often how difficult it is to reconcile Christian belief with science. I understand and have often struggled with this myself. Science and Christian beliefs are often hard to merge, particularly in our modern technological world. Yet, I know that many of you feel, sense, hear a quiet whisper, a deep sense need for something greater, larger, and more meaningful than ourselves. I want you to consider and to discuss that this is our Creator God calling through Christ to you personally and how to accept this. Therefore, I offer this brief series of podcasts as a scientist and a Christian Consideration of Christianity as a Scientist, and this is podcast number one, Considering the Creator God. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, a city known as a center for religion for Christian religious publications. There were more Christian churches per population than most other places, and a large percentage of the population attended religious service routinely. Here and throughout Western history, among the church going, the existence of God was universally accepted. In images, and in most people's minds, God was a white-haired, long-haired, white, brown, black, or yellow guy in a flowing robe and seated on a kingly throne. No matter how non-religious a local person might be, or how very religious, this was the God they believed in. This was the concept of the God of my youth. It was not until my undergraduate elective coursework in religious studies that I ran into my first professor who did not believe in a God. Technically, he was an agnostic. I thought it was so strange that a professor of religion had none, but for me, it created a lifelong journey mentally, intellectually, spiritually, to understand the nature and existence of God. Now, I believe in the Creator God, supreme of all existence and non-existence, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, and as the 11th century monk Anselm mentioned in his well-studied ontological argument, the highest conceivable thought possible for the human mind. We can conceive of nothing higher than the source of our existence, within the realm of our existence. Let us discuss this further. Typically, in religion, we consider God in terms of something much closer to us in reality. Loving Father, Angry Father, King on a Throne, Great Spirit, and images on temple walls and in so many paintings of the great masters. Many see God as an incarnation of various forms, usually blending human and celestial. It is easier to believe in something we can create and manage in our own minds, even if we endow that image with superior powers. This is the basis of general idol worship. However, in the oldest monotheistic religions and Judeo-Christian teachings, we are taught that God is a spirit, something distinctly different than us, 
and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. For our definition in this podcast, a spirit is a non-physical, supernatural essence, a part of and a force mentally felt and included through emotions and character beyond our physical frame of reference, yet active in our physical existence. In these webcasts, to me, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the active mind and essence of God projected throughout creation to accomplish His will and desires. This is my definition, and I apologize if I am plagiarizing others. I would also argue for our discussion that a Spirit, the Spirit, our Spirit, has its own existence and decision-making rationale. There is our Creator God, and He creates and communicates by the Spirit. This is a tough discussion and something to think about. It is outside the realm of our observational and measurement abilities. I believe the spirit can communicate with us outside of our rational thought process, external to our brain, as a feeling, something we can sense but not necessarily rationalize in a logical process without the fundamental assumption that it is a force that can be sensed. If you believe or sense that our human existence contains, includes, something more than just the electrochemical processes of our bodies, I suggest you are sensing the spirit and you will benefit, learn, understand from listening and discerning that communication. To do this does not mean you are giving up your rational process as a scientist. It just means that you are listening, experiencing, and learning through a different process other than just X, Y, Z, or T analysis. As you think about what we just discussed about the Spirit, let's transition to understanding and experiencing God through the Spirit. We have all heard in our religious studies and even in popular culture about Moses and the burning bush. There are memes, jokes, stories, cartoons about this, but I want you to think deeply about this event. God is recording as telling Moses, remember the story, It has become a metaphor for many situations, even in the corporate world. When asked who Moses should say told him to do what all was going to happen in the Exodus narrative, that God said, I am that I am. This is a statement that would make many of us stop, step back, think, question, and analyze. There are various translations of this with slightly different meanings, but For a scientist, I believe these are some of the most important words recorded in human existence and something we, as scientists, should strongly consider. An understanding of the Hebrew, and I am not a Hebrew scholar, so rely on the literature and some very bright friends, suggests that I am who I am, I am what I am, I will be what I will be, I create whatever I create are all synonymous translations for God saying, I create and exist however I choose to create and exist. This statement is remarkable. Both in the Bronze Age, Early Iron Age when it was made, and in the various Big Bang scenarios, quantum entangled, in-dimensional, hyperverse, multiverses, we now believe is potential reality. Why? Because this statement by God God who matter-of-factly states himself as, as the causation for what we observe as creation works in any conceivable scientific construct, construct of universal existence that the human mind can make. 
This is far beyond the God concepts of a Zeus-like figure, Hindu Brahma, Odin, the Sumerian and pre-Sumerian gods, Abaal, Mayan, Itzamna, I could go on. None claim creation ex nihilo of everything. The claim and concept of a creating an existence and existing ex nihilo is remarkable. A God who states that he is the source of all existence and that existence exists because he exists is a 4,000-year-old Big Bang theory except with the Creator. Remember Anselm, our 11th century monk? This statement is by a God who claims to be the highest possible concept we can imagine or envision because he is the source of our imagination and vision. To us as scientists, that is amazing and awesome, the highest possible, highest logical thought we can have. Wow. It has been obvious to me for a long time that I am not bright enough, knowledgeable enough to understand or to characterize the nature of a God that exists outside of our universal reality. I am stuck like Ansel. I cannot conceive beyond the creation of which I am a part. I know the terms we use to describe God, terms that are the highest thoughts, concepts, the largest meaning words and ideas we can imagine. But as a scientist, I am trained to observe, question, hypothesize, test, and derive new understanding, thereby gain new knowledge. Truthfully, for a God that exists and creates as he chooses, and if we are part of this creation, this universe, then our perception of God is through that which has been created, matter, energy, perception and intellect, emotions, and even that sense the essence of higher thought, that feeling of being something else other than what we are, and as we have discussed, the spirit. Therefore, I believe the spirit of our creator God in ourselves and in our understanding and communication is how we can perceive beyond that highest level thought to understand a creator God beyond our existence. The spirit of God might be perceived as that essence which crosses from God to our existence and relays his will, love, desires for us, and in effect sustains creation itself. I cannot separate myself from the physics of God, nor can separate my belief in God as creator any more than losing my brain, heart, or energy. I feel it in my spirit, something as integral to me as any component of my body. You can too. I want to share with you a personal experience, intensely personal, that is active in my mind almost every single day of my life since it occurred in 1979, long before I became a professional scientist. Telling this story always affects me. Let me gather my thoughts and my composure. Okay, here goes. I was just about to graduate with my first undergraduate degree in science. I was also very involved in a Christian student organization and had minored in ancient Near Eastern religion with enough credits for a major if I had wanted. I was young, married with a new baby, full of myself and arrogant. I prayed incessantly for a long while, days. I wanted to see God, see proof, even if it was true that to see the face of God meant death. 
I had to know no matter the cost. I demanded to see God. Nothing happened. After I had given up, accepted failure, began to question, the next night I had a dream or something. I am not sure what I experienced. I was awakened by two beings, robed, covered, much taller than me, head and shoulders taller than me, and I'm 1.9 meters tall. I do not remember speaking, but we communicated and I was to go with them. They were escorting me as my guides. We traveled silently for an unknown distance. It was obvious we had gone from where we were to some place much further away. I sensed a time. I do not know if it was meters or light years, but it seemed a great distance. However, it was quickly done. We came to an area with an edge, a wall or barrier in the near distance. My guide stopped and would not approach the barrier. They were hesitant and communicated that this was as far as they could or would go. They did not want to go any further and I remember sensing their emotions of being afraid and uneasy. I also sensed fear and was scared. They insisted, forced me to go on just a short distance towards the barrier. There was a very small opening, a hole appearing in the barrier, and I was told to look through this hole. I understood that this opening had appeared specifically for me. It did not normally exist. I was very afraid and felt a growing foreboding that I physically felt. I was increasingly saturated with fear. I was sweating. I felt my sweat on my hands as I touched the rim of the hole. I thought my heart was going to burst. It was hard to make my muscles work from fear. I did not want to go, but it was implied I must, and a consequence if I did not. It was as if I did not have a choice or a, cho or a choice I felt I could make, so I proceeded. I remember that feeling even now, and my heart is racing. I knelt at the hole and bent over to look in. I could hold the edge, and it expanded larger. The space in the opening was black, dark, but a darkness that could be felt and sensed. I looked through the opening, pushed my head and shoulders through to see further and around, and instantaneously felt this enormous, incredible, voluminous fear and dread. It made me sick, incontinent. I had never experienced such fear. It seemed to pull me in, and I fought. The further in, the worse the fear and dread. I do not have the words to this day to describe how terrible and fearful that darkness was. Speaking this now, I am afraid and my heart is pounding. It was an indescribable sense of nothingness, emptiness, abandonment, absence, a void. I did not and do not have the words. And then I realized what it was. It was non-existence. I was outside of creation and I was crying, screaming, beyond fearful, hopeless, and helpless. My two guides, my guardians, pulled me back in and the opening closed. I remember them smiling. I woke up immediately from this dream and was in the bathtub. I had started the night in my bed. I was sobbing. I was now in the tub and had vomited and soiled myself. My wife came in and was very concerned, tearful, and worried. I remember her asking what was wrong, but I could not speak or think. It took me a long while to return from this experience. Obviously, 
I have not completely returned to this day, some 40 years later. In my arrogance of asking to see God, he had given me a better learning experience. I had been showed, shown not God, non-existence, nothingness, the absence of the spirit and presence of God. This made me realize that God is all and everywhere and that our creation is a willful act of an all-powerful creator God. I create and exist in what I choose to create and exist. We are created, and we exist within creation, but that there is a place, a volume, a zone, a dimension outside of creation, away from God, and too terrible to imagine or comprehend. I was given a great gift. I have been given many in my life, but in this gift I was given the proof of God in creation by being shown not God, not creation, the null set, if you wish, proof of light because dark exists. I am so thankful for this and still terrified by what I experienced. For me, this experience was intensely personal and meaningful. You demand to see God? Well, I'll show you what it is without God. My lesson from this, God is everywhere in everything. Remember, I will choose to be and create what I choose to be and create. As a scientist, I see the incredible nature of the universe and it is not hard for me to see something greater than me as its author. I do not get confused or irritated by various interpretations of the appearance or laws or historic actions of humans in response to God or even those claiming to speak for him while professing themselves or anything else. But my personal relationship, my spirit communing with his spirit in a vast creation that exists and continues through him is all that matters. As scientists, we search for the continual discovery and explanations of existence. We acknowledge an instantaneous beginning, yet our understanding of the cause, the mechanism for that beginning, eludes us. I believe it is right here, right there, right on the tip of our understanding that we must understand it through God calling to us, through the Spirit, that many of you feel this spiritual tug in yourselves, and that the leap of faith of acceptance is the next step. Okay, as a scientist, your rational filter red light alarm probably just started flashing and you are evaluating what we just discussed against your knowledge and experience. Good. I believe Anselm was right, but what is the next question a science-minded person might ask? Do you mean that if I pick up a rock, God is in that rock? Let us consider that and I will use another personal story. My grandfather meant the world to me. He taught me to fish. If we caught a fish, he would thank the fish for giving its life for us, and we would honor its sacrifice by using it well. I still do this today for all living things, even the bug on my windshield. Did my grandfather, a, deep, a deeply religious man of great faith, think God was in the fish? No, he thought the fish was a product, a creation of a purposeful God, part of an ongoing creation held together by the spirit and will of God and continuing by the active will of God. Creation is a product, a resource, a realization of God with a purpose. We as humans have been exploring that purpose for our entire existence, and as scientists we relish learning of creation.
Let's quickly consider the biblical book of Job for a moment. Every scientist and thinking person who considers philosophy and discussion to learn about our world should read the dialogues of Job. Job may be the oldest recorded story or written document in the historical, traditional, biblical context. More importantly, it is a study in philosophy and reason and acceptance, and has discussions scientists find interesting. It also helps us understand what we have just discussed. As a quick overview, Job is a good man of faith and very wealthy with a loving family. God compliments Job as a good and righteous man. Satan, the evil antagonist, asked God for permission to attack Job so that Job would curse God, that is, prove to God that Job was only righteous because he was successful. God said, okay, just do not kill him. Subsequently, Job lost everything, had miserable non-life-threatening medical issues, and was outcast from his former peers. However, he is visited by four of his friends who discuss with him various reasonings options, and philosophies to help him get out of his painful and exasperating situation. The dialogue is very interesting and insightful reading. Job kept denying that he had done anything wrong to make God angry with him and kept questioning God about why this was happening, basically blaming God. Finally, God answered and basically put Job in his place by asking Job about his understanding of the complexities of creation of which Job was a part, and Job realized the folly of his thought process and was restored to prominence by God. Because remember, I create and exist however I choose to create and exist. Why is this important in our discussion? The story of Job could be our story, assuming our scientific success and knowledge but realizing that we are really not in control in the greater cosmic sense and that there is a creator God who is in control. Friends call this fate, random physics since the Big Bang, chaos theory, whatever. Listen to that tug or feel you have because as Job found out, it is our creator God in charge. By the way, I believe that all of our theories about creation and all of our theories about existence and how we got where we are as a scientist and in our scientific thinking are good. They help us explore this creation uh, and our creator God. Summing up, I have an upper limit on what I can know or believe. Remember Anselm, God is the highest thought I can have. Why? Because I exist as part of this creation and all of my observations, input, data, hypothesizing, testing, extrapolating, imagining is limited, is bound within this creation. This is why we constantly put a face on God, a shape, something that we can relate to. That is okay because we can sense God through his spirit. It is the acknowledgement, belief, trust in, acceptance, and adoration of God that matters. Just one more quick thought in our discussion. Many, if not most, modern arguments for the existence of God are moralistic arguments based on the concept of goodness and evil. God is good and good exists because of God. Evil exists when we choose to ignore or deny God in favor of something else. I do not want to make a moral theistic argument. I am not qualified and C.S. Lewis and others have done so far better than I ever could. I also know that many of you have studied these moral philosophies yourself from the concepts of various religions. 
They are very enlightening, interesting, and edifying. I believe they contain much truth. However, I want to struggle with another approach, please bear with me, that expresses good versus evil in terms of existence of creation. Quite simply, if a creator God created and is continuing to create our universe, our existence, then anything that supports and continues that creative process is good, and anything that acts against that process is evil. This is a hard argument when explored, but we shall try in a future podcast. Okay, as we end, as scientists, how do we reconcile a God who is both inside and outside of creation, of existence, and how can that be? How can something exist that was not created and has always been and why? So what does our creator God want from us and why? I have to admit that I have no magical answers or equations, but do have some thoughts and I have my belief. I only know what I feel, sense, and have studied for myself. I hope to discuss these with you in the next few webcasts. What I have discussed here may be no different than what you have heard or considered before. I understand, but ask that you consider and believe that there is a Creator God worthy of worship in spirit and in truth. Believing in our Creator God is not at odds with being a scientist or a free thinker. It does not violate, if then, any XYZ equation or cause and effect. I believe it can only help. Give yourself the mental permission to listen in the quietness of your mind to your heart and your spirit. Do not be afraid to hear your Creator. Thank you for watching and listening, and I pray for your health and happiness. As always, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. Thank you.